everyone, welcome to another PortugueseSoccer.com episode. I am your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about your favorite topic, my favorite topic, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. My guest tonight will be Nino Torres from Goal TV. I had Nino on in the middle of the season. We did like the mid-season awards, and I promised to bring him back at the end of the season so we could do our end-of-the-season awards, and that's what we're going to be doing tonight. We're going to talk about who's the best player, best midfielder, goalkeeper, defender, striker, best young player. You know the categories. So I'm looking forward to hearing his choices. You're also going to hear my choices. And I also uh, put up these questions across all our social media platforms. And last night I went on and I tabulated the results. And I have what I would call is the PortugueseSoccer.com listener results in terms of who voted for what. And I've got uh, the choices uh, based on those uh, responses. So that'll be coming up in the next segment of this episode. And as I always do when I start uh, an episode, I start off talking about the upcoming schedule. Uh, obviously, the Liga is uh, finished, but there's still matches to be played and some matches happening in Europe of Portuguese interest. Uh, first off, of course, you still have the Taça de Portugal this weekend. Um, that is, of course, a big trophy in Portugal. Uh, very interesting. Porto won the Super Cup. Sporting won the Taça de Liga and the Liga Nós. And now you have one trophy left, and it's going to be won by a team that hasn't won a trophy this season. So either Benfica or Braga will walk away with the Taça de Portugal trophy. Benfica, of course, it's not going to salvage their season. You know the story, all the money they've spent, all the frustration, everything like that. But nevertheless, it is a trophy. Braga always wants to be one of the big clubs in Portugal. They've played in a fair amount, if you think about it. Taça de Portugal and Taça de Liga competitions. And, you know, last year they finished in third place ahead of Sporting. So Braga's had a lot of good moments. They want to help out their reputation and they want to bring the trophy to Braga for their fans to celebrate. So Braga is, of course, trying to raise their um, their reputation. And obviously they can continue to do so by, of course, winning this Taça de Portugal trophy. Uh, Then next week, we, of course, have European action involving Portuguese players next Wednesday. Of course, Bruno Fernandes will be playing in the Europa final. And then, of course, next Saturday, you, of course, have the Champions League final in uh, Porto. I spoke about all that in my previous episode, if you want to give it a listen. And, of course, you got three Portuguese players in that one playing for City. Of course, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Diaz, and, of course, João Cancelo. So there is obviously a very big Portuguese thing with that match, in addition to the fact that it's being played in Portugal. So uh, we got some really big matches of Portuguese influence coming up. And then another thing we also have coming up is, of course, the playoff between the 16th place team in the Liga, which is Rio Ave, and whoever finishes in third place in the second division, which as of this recording is uh, still going to be figured out uh, this weekend. Uh, I like this idea. Congratulations to the Liga to do this. I had to get out a little bit more excitement. Um, and that's going to, by the way, take place the same night as the Europa final, but that's going to kick off at 21.45. And if you're sitting there and saying, whoa, 21.45, who plays a soccer match at 9.45 at night? Well, that's because the UEFA does not want other soccer games, uh, matches going on at the same time as European competition. And that's why that first leg next Wednesday uh, will kick off at 21.45. And whoever is the second division team, they will be hosting that first leg. And then the second leg will take place uh, next Sunday. Uh, Rio Ave will be hosting that. And again, playoff. 
If Riyadh wins, they stay in the uh, first division. If they lose, they go down. And the third place team then would come up. So essentially, you're playing for your life, you know, in terms of playing for the first division. So that is going to be a competition that will be happening uh, this week as well, in addition to the European competitions and, of course, the Tasa de Portugal. Obviously, we had a lot of news this week. Um, no surprises with Fernando Santos' squad. Um, I was happy to see Pote in there, although I kind of assuming he would have been on the under-21s because, after all, it is an under-21 trophy and Portugal is so loaded to begin with. But at the end of the day, Fernando Santos is going to bring him up and he will get the call to play for Portugal. Uh, Pote, of course, was uh, Portugal's, uh, you know, the Liga's leading scorer, first Portuguese to do that in many, many years. And he is rewarded for an outstanding season by going uh, to play in the Europeans and the Euros uh, this summer. And obviously the Euro is going to be a very big topic between here and when it gets going next month. Uh, Portugal has matches June the 4th at Spain, June the 9th at home versus Israel as warm-up matches. Then afterwards they head to Budapest. They're going to set up camp in Budapest, Hungary. And then of course they've got the match opening up with Hungary. Then they go to Germany to play Germany. By the way, I, I know that the, the, these games are being played throughout Europe. I, I just don't like the idea of Portugal going to play in Germany against Germany, but that's the way it is being the middle match. And then Portugal comes back and Portugal will be playing uh, the last match back in Budapest against uh, France. So a lot of things coming up uh, with the national team. Uh, and obviously, of course, the Liga teams are all now going to be going on break. Be very curious to see what the foreign players in Portugal, the ones that are going to be coming back, are they going to stay in Portugal during this break? Or are they going to try to go back home to their countries? Because remember, a lot of parts of the world still have restrictions. So I'd be very curious to see what's going to happen with uh, that situation. But uh, again, at least the Liga players are going to get a bit of a break to have these uh, players uh, work playing as hard as they have been for two straight years would have been a lot. And the fact that they get some time off with their families, I think is very good news and will make for an even better Liga season, which, you know, which by the way, in case you're wondering, sporting announced already June the 28th, they're going to begin their preseason. That'll be right around the time, uh, maybe even a little bit, a few days earlier that Benfica will start because they've got to play the Champions League qualifiers. You'll also see Santa Clara and Passos de Ferreira as well playing um, qualifiers. So they're going to be starting uh, training camp toward the end of uh, June. And uh, congratulations to Pastors de Ferreira for qualifying for Europe as Santa Clara. Santa Clara is a great story because, you know, about five, six match days ago, Vittorio Guimarães was looking like in great shape to be that sixth place team. And then down the stretch, Vittorio Guimarães faltered and Santa Clara just played very well and they managed to catch up and now they are going to go play in Europe. Congratulations to Daniel Ramos, who I think is a fantastic manager. Uh, going to be a big trip though, whoever they go to play, especially if they wind up playing in Eastern Europe, uh, going to be a long plane flight, especially during these pandemic times for Santa Clara. But the little team from the middle of the Atlantic Ocean is going to play in Europe. And I just think that's a fantastic story. So congratulations to Santa Clara. Congratulations also to Ruben Diaz for winning uh, a Footballer of the Year award in uh, England. Uh, Ruben, we always knew he was talented when he was with Benfica. Now he's taking it to the next level. Will he help 
Leeds City next week to the Champions League title. We will, of course, uh, soon uh, find out. Uh, obviously, uh, news also Nuno Spiritu Santo is going to be leaving Wolves. Uh, Bruno Lage has been connected with it. Uh, big question coming up now in the offseason, Sergio Conceição. What is his status? Is he coming back? As I record this episode, still no answer. Fans want him back. Porto is waiting for an answer, but he is being linked with other clubs. Is he starting to look elsewhere? We don't know. The only person that knows the answer to that is Sergio Conceição, so I'm not going to be like one of the tabloids trying to figure it out. But uh, that is obviously another big topic in the next few weeks that people are going to be waiting on. What's going to happen with Sergio Conceição and will he be coming back uh, to uh, Porto? Uh, we're going to get going now with my interview with Nino Torres. But a quick FYI, I want to apologize I did a bit of an own goal um, when I was recording the episode uh, with Nino. Um, unfortunately, I had some technical difficulties. And you may notice on occasion a little bit of uh, sound in the background. Don't worry. You're going to hear every single word we say. That's not the problem. But sometimes you will hear a little bit of a background noise. So I want to apologize right now um, that that happened. There was nothing I could do to fix it. It was such a great interview. I thought it was going to be 35 minutes long. It went on for an hour. I didn't want to ask uh, Nino back. He's a very busy person. I've also got a lot of things going on. But I think overall, it's still very good. Uh, but again, I want to apologize. I try to be as professional as possible. But, uh, you know, not in the studio. We're all working from home. You got to make do with what we got to make do. So I ask for your patience with that. And always thank you for your support for PortugueseSoccer.com, for the social media accounts. Listening to this episode, it continues. The numbers continue to grow every single week, which is why I continue to have guests on. And uh, it's just been, you know, like I said, a lot of fun. And also subscribe. We're on YouTube now, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts all the big platforms we're on, and I suggest you follow it so you get a notification as soon as this episode is uh, ready. So let's go. Let's go ahead now and do my interview with Nino Torres from Gold TV. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast, and I'm very glad to have here again uh, very appropriately, too, in terms of talking about the end of the season. I know a lot of people that watch, uh, you know, our football, but they may not necessarily watch all the games or most of the games. Uh, most fans I know will only watch Benfica matches or Porto matches or sporting matches. Uh, I'm sure there's some that would watch any of those, but as far as following it week in and week out, when I think of one person that I think really knows about our league, that is, of course, Nino uh, Torres of Gold TV. Nino, welcome back. Uh, thank you for having me back, Johnny. It's always a pleasure to to be on the show, and uh, you know, I gotta. We, we're not talking about a, a lot of things, right? But um, I want you to talk about uh, also about what I, the predictions that I threw out there in, in February. Remember those, right? Remember my picks. Uh, if you remember, that, I tell you, what, I don't have it with me now. But if you have them, we're gonna talk about them because there was one pick that I was really bad at, and I'm gonna admit uh, that tonight. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. But it's always it's always been always fun here uh, uh, to have time with you, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But um, I guess we'll first off, we'll you know we'll start off with we um, we just finished the season. Um, obviously, an incredible year for a lot of people for for obvious reasons. And uh, I remember back in September, you know, with the league starting, you know, looking ahead to the schedule. 
uh, seeing how many matches everyone was going to be playing in a short amount of time, worrying about injuries, worrying about COVID positive cases. Um, it's just been a very, very long year. What are, you, what are your final thoughts on the year now that the uh, season's over? I mean, it was um, <clears throat> everything started like Benfica uh, was going to wanna run over the, the table from the get go. They started so strong. And then uh, sort of uh, different events happened uh, with Benfica. They ended up uh, being empty handed. Uh, overall, uh, as a season, he, uh, he, shows, he shows something that I was really, really looking forward to it. That it was the uh, the power of the youth, you know, the power of the youth on this on this on this season, it just has been uh, phenomenal. And not only for not only for sporting, but uh, overall, you know, the, the, the league always uh, gets lots of young talent. But uh, I think this season, particularly, it, it was um, it was impressive uh, the way that the young players handle the. Uh, all the all the all the season, you know, again with COVID and then with COVID nineteen in the um into the mix too, you know, no fans and all that. But uh, I wanna I wanna uh, focus on that aspect that for me was uh, very impressive the uh, the amount of growth of the young talent on on this season in the league. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, obviously, sporting is uh, the best example of that. Um, I mean, just just tremendous amount of work that they've managed uh, to do. Um, and obviously there were some great players, but you know, that's the way it is every year. You know, I've said it in previous episodes that Portugal is like your grandmother or your aunt's, um, you know, house when she has a, a garden in the back and she's got all these beautiful vegetables and mm. you, every, every summer you come and you pick the best vegetables and you enjoy the food with your visiting family and then before you know it, the garden is uh, empty and you have to start planting them again. And that's the way the Portuguese league is every year. And, uh, you know, sometimes they renew the players you know, or give them high buyouts. But at the end of the day, the league is all about the young players we don't know about. And then once we get to know them, you know, when we get to the spring, a lot of them are gone. And I think that might be the, uh, you know, the case this summer. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. It, my final thoughts for the year was, uh, obviously, like I said, it's just an incredible, incredible year for everything that we went through. The COVID cases with Benfica in January, um, the fact that they had, I think, up to one point, a dozen people infected. Um, you know, Porto started off really slow. Um, at the, you know, and I think that's at the end of the day, the reason why they did not win the uh, title this year and repeat, and they still managed to in their last 28 games, you know, only this only happens in Portugal where you, where you don't lose any of your last 28 games and you still don't win the Liga trophy. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's just an amazing stat that I put out there the other day that I, I really couldn't believe. But, uh, and then obviously the big news that everyone's going to be paying attention to this summer now is Ruben Amarin. You think he's going to leave this summer? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I don't think he's going to leave. No. And, okay. I, and I said, I mean, and I'm very strong about it. Uh, I think uh, Sporting, uh, they're going to make all the efforts. I mean, they're going to get all the money possible that whatever they need to do to keep Amorini in the uh, uh, with the team, but I think if they if they get another uh, successful season, the next one, I think he's going to leave after the second one, not not after this one. That's what I'm thinking. 
Yeah, he uh, he said it the night that they won the trophy. He was asked, and he said that he planned on coming back. And then the other day, the uh, press conference before their uh, final match against Minitu, we kind of repeated that again, and he was very, um, very strong in his remarks. But uh, that's very easy to say, Nino, in May. But uh, <laughs> you know, when, when July comes and your agent is calling you or texting you on the phone, and, uh, you know, saying that, uh, you know, club A or club B, and obviously when your agent's calling you, you know, he's not call- talking about any small club in Europe, you know, in Portugal at, at this level, you're talking about one of the big clubs. It's going to be very hard, but I, I do hope he stays. I hope, um, you know, I, I think for me, the biggest thing about, you know, last year, Sporting finished fourth place. They lost their last two games right. of this season and they finished in fourth place. Then they went and they started the season well, the Liga, but then they were eliminated from Europa in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, and since then, um, they've just been fantastic. I mean, they, you know, they won the League Cup, but um, I, I just, you know, I think to me, I hope he does come back because I really want to see this team. I was, I was talking about this with a cousin of mine and get your opinion on it, but you know, you talk to a sporting fan, they will disagree with you on this particular topic. But you talk to other fans, especially those that have been following the league for a very long time. Mm-hmm. There were no fans in the stands. Right. Um, a lot of the sporting players did not feel what it's like to go to Luge and play in a cauldron of fire. They did not go to the Dragon and feel the warmth of the fans on Porto and the disgust that they have for the visiting teams, you know, that... That's part of Portuguese football is, you know, going into this opponent's stadium and, and feeling it. Um, but I know a lot of sporting fans will discount that and get very sensitive to that criticism. Do you think that maybe this year would help sporting this year is the fact that they didn't have, you know, they didn't have to play against the uh, this type of pressure, that it was essentially just like recreational just you and the other team in the stadium, that's it. Do you think that maybe they benefited from not having to play in front of big crowds that are going to be rooting against them? Uh, maybe in the last stretch of the season, probably the last five, the last five six games, that uh, even though they, they were not playing against, uh, uh, not against, uh, with, uh, with fans in the stadiums, but uh, still struggled. They still struggled. I mean, it's just, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair because the it's just the, the conditions are the same for every single team, for everybody. Okay, this is so I don't think it's, it's going to be a it would have been different. I think it would have been different because of how strong the uh, uh, Ruben Amorim built up this team. And I and I, and I said at the, at the beginning of the season uh, that uh, this is this is the case. This is going to be the case. That can prove that kids can also win championships, not just grown men winning championships. Okay, and I and I was just I, week after week, and I got uh, uh, strong feelings about that. And then uh, at, at the very end, when was that? Um, in April when the Porto started to yeah. climb up, you know, the the distance, you know, when the, from double digits to single digits. At one point, there were six, right? Or six points, six points, I right? I think they got as close to six, and I think it was. Right. It might have even been closer than that with like 
you know, I think that um, it might I don't think it was less than six. Was it four? No, no, I don't think it was four. I, th I think it got as close as four only because Sporting hadn't played yet and Porto got the result they wanted. It was, it right, was right, right. Like that. It was one of those things where they could have gotten as close, but they needed another result. But uh, let's put it this way it got very nervous at the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were. It was, it was, <laughs> it was just dramatic, and uh, and you know, Coate said in, in those two games, as I put it on Twitter, at, at Bera, yeah, the games against Santa Clara and Gil Vicente, when uh, he came back in the last ten minutes of the of the game. But that's that's what you need, you know, when nothing else works and everything seems to fail, and uh, uh, and you still manage a way to win the game. Okay, and uh, I think it's just this. This is a lot of you know Porto fans and Mefica fans. I read that, that that tweet. That I mean, those those uh, uh also you telling me about the fans and the, the COVID nineteen and and all that. I read it on Twitter. Someone posted it on. It was I think it was a Mefica guy. Was I, I? I don't remember, but I read it. I read it, and you know what? That's just like man. Just accept it. Just take it. Take it as a chance. Okay? You won you're doing the last one, what is it, 17 years, right? I mean, 19. Uh, 19 years, yeah. 19 years. I mean, you won, you know, seven and 11. I don't know how many titles maybe have won the last couple of, couple of, I mean, the last decade, you know? So, I didn't take it. Didn't yeah. Take it. But that's, you know, the fan, the passionate fan, you know, the hardcore fan that, uh, the, they're happy when they even when they lose when the rivals lose and uh that's that's how it is you know but uh i think this i don't think there's anything that will take away the fact that this team was the strongest and more solid team from the beginning till the very end yeah sporting uh you know congratulations to them um you know one other thing about them and this ruben amarin did admit helped them is you know he they were he's been asked well the fact that you didn't have to play in europe you know you don't have to worry about playing thursday night football and he kind of admitted in uh when he was talking getting ready for the you know when he does the presser his press event before the next match this one being maritimo he kind of admitted it he goes you know people aren't going to like to hear this but having the extra time to practice and not have to worry about playing an extra match every week was a very big help to him because of the young team he had so, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's 34 matches. The team with the most points wins. You're right about the fact that everybody... And the most clean sheets, too. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, they did. They just did very well. We'll talk about that in a minute because there's one player on Sporting that I don't think gets a lot of uh, credit. But uh, it's a great thing. And now Sporting gets to go to the Champions League. Um, last time they were there, I remember them playing Real Madrid, if I remember correctly. Bruno Cesar... Scores mm. to make it one nothing in the Bernabeu. Somebody else on Sporting almost scores to make it two nothing, but then Real Madrid came back, tied it one one, and then Cristiano Ronaldo scored in stoppage time, and uh, that was the last time I remember Sporting being the Champions League that they came very close to going and defeating mm. uh, Real Madrid. I remember Cristiano Ronaldo visited the team that afternoon in the hotel you know, to uh, say hello, uh, because that's right. the way it is in Portugal. It's good like that. But uh, yeah, so it was a very good season. Uh, I think it's the season, like I said, they can't let it happen again. And, um, you know, next year they're going to be facing 
you know, some new challenges. Uh, they're going to have to play Tuesday and Wednesday nights. A lot more of their players are going to be called up to the national team, as we saw with uh, Pote today. So it was a very uh, good year. But let's talk a little bit about the end of the season awards. All right. Um, I put it out the other day. I know you said you were going to mention it here on the podcast. Right, and, right. And uh, what I did is I went on Twitter. I went on all the uh, social media that I put the account in, and I tabulated all the votes. Uh -huh. So we have essentially three choices here. It'll be my choice, your choice, okay. and then I'll announce what the uh, the fans did. Now, I did not put okay. manager of the year because I think it's pretty obvious who the manager of the year is. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and uh, we've just finished talking about him. So I think it's pretty obvious. Um, your most valuable player this year? Russian Kratis. Okay. Explain. Oh, you want to explain? I want you to Do explain? I have to explain? All right, I will. I will. I'm explaining <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, I always say that because uh, I just, uh, I like to hear what you think. Because uh, believe it or not, it's not going to be that much different from my choice or the fans' choice. I was just joking around there. But go ahead. Go ahead. I like yeah, to hear, no. you know, I, I know you were very big, especially when he scored that goal in Gilles Vicente. Yes, yes. And, uh, okay, um, basically the, the, how much he evolved from one season to another one. Uh, last last year, last year, Sebastian Gratis was uh, basically a liability for um for, for Sporting, and then he uh, grew so much on defense, and um, he's the best player in the air in the league. There's no question about that. In both ends of the pitch, right? His leadership and um, how much he has an impact on the uh, on the structure. Of, uh, of sporting this season, uh, I think that there's uh, did he, he. I think he didn't even get a red card in the entire season. Did he? I don't think so. I I don't, I don't think, think he so. got a red. I did think he picked up his fifth yellow late in the season, if I recall. He, he had a single red in the entire season with a in a team that had the most clean sheets yeah. during the season. It's and, uh, and that's one thing, and uh, you, you build up your, your team from difference uh, too often. So uh, that's uh, I don't think there's any more valuable than than Sebastian Cortes. Not only for his uh, level of performances, but also uh, for his leadership. Yeah, what are the well? First off, the fans agree. They also voted for Quatch. Um, Paulinha got some votes. Uh, Bote got some votes. Uh, it was mostly sporting players that got the votes, believe it or not, in terms of everything that I read on social media. The reason yeah. why I picked him, and you know, just to kind of explain my pick, was he went through a bad spell. I don't know if it was last season before the pandemic or the year before, where I think he went through a stretch in like one or two months where he he was scoring own goals, like he was making these mistakes. And right. you know, he went. I'm through sorry, a who you pick, John? Who you pick? I'm Sebastian Quatch. I did it. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I may not be pronouncing it right, but it is him. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, he uh, he had his ups and downs too, and um, I know JJ brought him over, if I recall correctly. And um, he is basically someone that, you know, in Portugal, it's about the three points, but it's also about raising the values of the players. And a lot of times, when you look at a player like Kim, who's probably not cheap, he probably gets a good salary. Right. When a player goes through a bad stretch like he did at 1.2 years ago, 
he's quickly going to be off the team right away. They're going to sell him. They're going to loan him away. And I think it says a lot about sporting that they stuck to him, especially Ruben Amarin. I mean, when Ruben Amarin took, took over the team, Kowats was not playing. Sebastian Kowats was not playing as good as he is now. He was nowhere near what he was doing now. And I think the fact that he really stepped up his play is a good, because like I said, I think in Portugal, you don't have this much, you don't have nine lives in Portugal, like a cat. You don't have, you know, all these opportunities to make mistakes and to still be in the starting lineup. And I think the fact that he managed to overcome, you know, some bad patches, I think says a lot. So uh, he was voted on. And, and playing with three in the back helped him a lot too. Very more central, his role, you know, very, very more organized and uh, very more confident and very more comfortable also on the uh, on that position as the only, I mean, at the center of this, of the center of the defense, instead of being uh, to, you know, playing with a right, with a center back right next to you, you know? It, I think that's what he helped him a lot. Just boom, boom, from a back four to a back three. It happened a lot also in his uh, development. Yeah, so he is uh, your uh, most valuable player. He's mine. He's also the fan, so a very easy choice. Uh, by the way, the Portuguese Liga does give out their awards for a lot of these categories. They tend to do it, I guess, this year. It's probably going to be in early July, right around the time that they do the uh, schedule draw is when they announce their awards. And I think by the time we get to uh, July, where, by the way, I'm glad it'll be during a very normal time of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we're used to having it's usually that first week of July. Uh, I think that's who we're going to see is getting the uh, best player of the league award. Uh, your opinion, best goalkeeper. Best goalkeeper. Um, I, I mean, the problem with the goalkeeper is that I have a, um, I give a weakness uh, for uh, for a few goalies that are they're not in the in the, the top three, okay. But uh, putting that on the side, I'm gonna pick a Dan. I agree with you. Yeah, he I also pick yeah. a Dan. Yeah. Uh, basically, and 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 we are in the in Gold TV. You know, we always also run the best eleven, and uh, many many picked uh, uh, Singh. Okay, but uh, the, 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 the thing that makes me pick Adan over Marche, it's that uh, he, I mean, sometimes uh, Marche gets these wild plays. He takes extra risk in, in, in um, going outside the box, and then they ended up causing goals to Porto that they couldn't, you know, could have been doing better in the uh, the season they lost uh, I think two three matches because of uh, uh, relentless uh, behavior from uh, from March. That's why. That's what I'm going for at Anderson of March. Yeah, the fans overwhelmingly also voted for him. Adan, um, I would say he got practically all the votes, about ninety percent. Uh, he's another great success story, if I recall correctly. I think he came from Atletico Madrid. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sporting gets him because if you recall a year ago, um, well, obviously a year ago, we were all getting ready to resume playing again right around this time. But when they did get to play in the summer and then all of a sudden they had a very brief month in the preseason to get ready. Uh, I remember Sporting saying they wanted an experienced goalkeeper because they had a very good young kid, uh, Max, 
um, you know, who, who I think has a bright future ahead of them, but they didn't really want to take a chance with a young goalkeeper at that position. They wanted some experience and they brought him in and Adon has done a very good job. I think he's been someone that doesn't, you know, Giovanni Cabral has come off the bench a lot. We obviously talked about, you know, Sebastian Quatz, you know, we, we're going to talk about Pote. We're going to, you know, there's, there's so many people you could talk about. Jean Paulina, um, you know, he's done very well this year, but this goalkeeper has not gotten a lot of attention. You know, he has not gotten a lot of attention. Some people thought that maybe he was leaving Spain because, you know, he really didn't have any more bigger opportunities and this was his biggest opportunity left. But right. what, an, what an opportunity, you know, sometimes they say, you know, the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. He decides to come to sporting and now he's going to be playing Champions League football next year. So not bad choice to come to sporting. Not at all. No bad, eh? Yeah, so he was a runaway choice as a goalkeeper. Um, very obvious choice for mm -hmm. Defender of the Year. Uh, who's your choice? Um, it's going to be a different player, right? Oh, oh it, could be the same player. it could be the same player if you've already picked him for another award. Um, I'm going to pick a different one because... Um, I mean, I don't want to put Toates uh, in both categories. So I'm going to go with Pepe. Mm. I'm going to go with, with Pepe. I mean, I mean, that's another player that uh, um, settled down. You know, this might be the age, right? He's, what, 38 now, right? Uh, he's probably, oh, he's, yeah. He's not that that furious anymore. That, uh, you know, with those bizarre behaviors and kicking players, punching players, you know. And uh, he got older, uh, he managed to, you know, his temper is, is not that uh, uh, electric anymore, you know? It's not that uh, the, the fiery guy anymore. And uh, I think that helped him a lot, and especially when he in Champions League, he was just, I mean, I mean all-blooded. I mean, he, the guy was just solid, solid, solid in the air with the tackles. And um, yeah, I'm going to pick Pepe uh, as the defender of the year. Yeah, well, let me tell you, uh, I think he, Pep is a little bit more mature um, in terms of, I think he, I think he's, you know, like I read a story about when he was at Real Madrid, he had some very tough matches and the fans really went against him. And, you know, he, um, he look, he was a bad boy. Um, and sometimes yeah. as a defender, you have to be a bad boy. I mean, that's just the way it's got to be. But you know, what he did against Juventus was... Oh, was superb. You know, it was unbelievable. And he wanted to come back. I mean, he probably had... I know he was in Turkey, but he had opportunities to probably go play at bigger clubs. You know, he could have pulled the Cavani and said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm interested in Portugal and Porto and, you know, at the same time, use it to try to get other teams interested in him. But he actually did want to come back home. Uh, to Porto, um, you know, and uh, he's uh, Pep's done a great job. I think he also might have spoken to Cristiano Ronaldo because, you know, he's getting better as he gets older. So maybe he's been talking to Cristiano Ronaldo because mm -hmm. Cristiano has also gotten better as he's got older. Some would probably disagree yeah. that that wasn't the case this past spring, but uh, maybe he's, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever Cristiano and Ronaldo and Tom Brady are doing at their age to be successful, I think he's doing that for defenders. Uh, but, yes. Pep's, but Pep's done it. But I went with the fans overwhelmingly voted for our same player that was MVP, Sebastian Quatsch. I also voted for him. Um, I just think, again, fantastic year. Um, 
not just because he was there for the big moments, but I think watching the matches, the way he was directing everything from the back, the way he was leading, the way he wasn't scared to go face to face with the player. Um, you know, this is somebody that I think he's been, you know, he was there during the whole attacks, the Alcachete attacks. You know, he's been yeah. there through some really bad days and now he's been there. He's, be, he's being there right now during some very good times. And I think it's just such a, a good story. But I think for me, he was obviously, you know, the best defender. And, uh, uh, you know, Pep to me is was fantastic. Um, but I think Pep really stepped it up in the Champions League, just like the Porto team, I think, did a little bit more this year. I think they were a little bit stronger this year in the Champions League, especially in the fall. Yeah. Um, you know, in the fall, Porto lost. If I recall correctly, I think they had three wins, two draws, and one losses by the time they got to the end of October. And uh, Porto was not the same team, but they became a better team in the spring, but by then it was too late. But uh, Pep's been a good player. I, I agree with you, but that's really my choice. And that's the overwhelming fans' choice that it's uh, Kowach. Uh, midfielder, best midfielder. Best midfielder. Um, where do I go? I mean, this is, this is rough. This is rough. Um, attacking midfielder, center midfielder. Uh, let's go with attacking. I mean, uh, I will tell you that the person who won it is not an attacking midfielder. In terms of who I know. voted for. I know, I know, I know. Um, and that's that's tough. Okay. Um, I gotta go with, with Palinha. Go with Palinha. Well, you are going with the fans' choice. Uh, he also overwhelmingly won the award. Um, there's no doubt that Paulinho did a great job this year in the field. Um, another big reason defensively why uh, Sporting did what they did this year. Um, but I'm going to be going a little bit different with my choice because I got to contemplate how important this, you know, granted this player did not win the Liga this year. He was very big in the Champions League. He did score a lot of goals. And to me, um, you know, Sergio Oliveira, Sergio Oliveira. I think Sergio is for me. Uh, you could also say Pote, no doubt about it. Although some people would say he was more of an attacker this year. I think that's what hurts, uh, Pedro Gonzalez Pote is that I think he got a lot of votes for a midfielder and a striker. Um, but, yeah, but he's uh, not a striker. He's, he's not, I mean, I mean, well, he's listed as a midfielder in most places. Yeah. But, he's uh, a high winger, but, uh... Okay, but, but uh, I like Sergio Oliveira. I just think um, for what he did for Porto and how many goals he scored, I think he scored more goals this year in one season than he did in his entire career. I remember when he got loaned out to a club in Greece. Another example of a young player that you thought Porto just realized wasn't going to pan out and could play first team football. He goes to Greece. He does very well. He comes back to Portugal and then he starts in the Super Cup against the Sportivo de Wabs and he plays a great match. And since then, he's been a regular part of Conceição's team. Uh, but that was really my pick. I think, um, you know, João Paulinho was fantastic this year. Revelation, um, no doubt about it. But uh, I just think for me, Sergio Oliveira was, was a great player. Pote, you could say, why gold got some votes? 
Julian Weigel got some votes from the fans. Uh, yeah, but still, I think, I don't know. It's just Julian still hasn't impressed me much. Still not. I think he, he got to be more consistent throughout uh, the season. And also, uh, he's got to do something with that 100 million dollar, 100 million euros uh, release clause that I sometimes I'm I, I going to be more, uh, I got to hire my, elevate my expectations on, on a player that has that, that price tag, right? I mean, you cannot be just seven points, uh, seven point player, you know? You know, you gotta be more than that. You gotta be more influential. You gotta be, you gotta give something else to be a hundred million dollars, hundred million euro man. That's well, I mean, just anybody that plays for one of the big three clubs, <clears throat> they all have excessive buyout clauses. I, <laughs> most of the time, they're not gonna come close to triggering it. I mean, they put 350 on Pochi, didn't they? Did they put 350, was it, for Pochi? Uh, uh, I don't remember what it is for Pote. Um, I think it's closer to a hundred million. I'm not really sure 100% uh, what it is for a Pote. But the thing about it is that all players that are invested in the way that Benfica did, I think Benfica paid something like 20 something million for Weigel. They all have high release clauses. Yeah. And and most of the release clauses, a lot of times, you know, you know, João Felix went to Real Atletico Madrid for 120 and change. And right. uh, that was incredible. But I don't think you're going to see something like that, especially in this economy for a very long time. But, but yeah, it, it's very common, you know, in Portugal. Um, I mean, even the guy selling the sandwiches outside the stadium has a big buyout clause. I mean, everybody <laughs> has a big buyout clause and that's done to protect it. But at the end of the day, when the agent and the clubs get on the phone and uh, there's a three-way call and they all strike a deal, um, inevitably it's, it's very rarely is the uh, buyout clause. Um, you know, most of the time it gets close, but I, I just don't think it. But uh, yeah, Weigel did get a lot of votes. I hope Weigel, as you said, he has not lived up to expectations. But you hope Weigel gets the chance that Sebastian Quatz has had at Sporting. Oh, yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, he had a very down oh. time. He did not live up to expectations. Uh, but look at what Quatz did. And then you look at Weigel. I think in the beginning, back in September, October, Supposedly, mm. there was a bit of an incident in training where there was a disagreement between Weigel and JJ, George Jesus. And uh, at the end of the day, everything turned out to be okay. So hopefully, if you're a Benfica fan, that uh, Weigel gets a second chance to come back. Um, I don't think Vlaco Dimos is coming back after some remarks. No, that's what I was going to ask you, because, I mean, the, 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 we're talking about that incident. Uh, was it something that I'm not aware of anything? I've been saying this since, since I literally took over uh, the starter position as a goalie for Benfica. But uh, so you tell me, what Black Odimos did wrong? To lose his, what Black Odimos, Odysseus, did wrong to lose his position as a starter? Nothing. Well, I think it was one, the results weren't great, even if it wasn't his fault. And then I think what happened was, is during the last international break, when he went to play for Greece, he gave an interview and he wasn't very complimentary about his situation. Uh, I think his agent also said that it was you know, very disrespectful for him not to be playing. But what JJ did to his credit is when the second half of the season came, he realized that, you know, when they were, when they were buying by double digit points that he had to change things up. 
And one of the uh, victims of this was changing the goalkeeper and bringing in Helton. And you can't argue with the decision. I mean, Helton's done. I mean, I think Helton yeah, at one point. Fantastic too. <laughs> yeah, I think he went like a whole bunch of minutes. I think 800 or 700 minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, without seven, allowing a goal. But, but that's what he did. 769. More than yeah. Eight. Yeah. And that's what he did, basically. He uh, he upset. He, he said some things that I don't think flattered uh, JJ. And, oh, you know, in Portugal. Be something like that. Be yeah. Something like that. Right. You know, in, I've right. learned from talking to people in Portugal that the one thing you do not do, no matter how bad the situation is, Unless you know for sure, maybe if you're on a free, it's a different story and you know you can leave and talk to other clubs. But when you're under contract and you know you're going to be coming back, the last thing you're going to do is upset the team that, especially if they have a high buyout clause on you. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's very high. So that's pretty much my understanding of what happened with them. Yeah, okay, I get it. Okay, Uh, it makes sense now. Okay. Makes sense. I was just like wondering, what is this? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's what happened with him. But um, in terms of talking, uh, your top striker of the season. Sperovic. Yeah. Sperovic. I mean, he was just incredible in the second half of the season. And prior to the second half, he was coming off the bench and scoring goals left and right when Luka Walshman went cold, when Darwin couldn't heat up. I mean, the rainbow, he was scoring the rainbow. And uh, it was Sepedevich coming off the bench. And, and, and I think at one point he was scoring um, a goal every 69 minutes. Yeah, he was scoring a goal every 69 minutes. And then um, then the second half, it, it was the, um, he was the man for Benfica. He was the man in the second half, even though they just couldn't catch uh, the sporting, but um, I mean, in March I was I was going through. In March, uh, in a calendar month, he scored nine goals in five in five consecutive rounds. That's what he did in in, in March. It was just brutal, spectacular. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been really good. When uh, when I heard that Benfica was interested in him, I didn't really see why. But he's done a very good job, and uh, I know there's a lot of Benfica fans disappointed that he didn't win the uh, the silver boot, uh, mm-hmm. Portugal's uh, you know uh, scoring award. But uh, uh, a lot of fans is, is, is that right? Did I say right? Bola da Prata is that right? Bola da Bola Prata. Da Prata. Yes, it's given by the Portuguese newspaper the Albola. Bola, yeah. And uh, yeah, so he basically uh, loses it. Uh, there was a little bit of controversy. I'm not sure if you saw it where uh, they obviously went in the same day with the same amount of goals. Severovic scores the brace. Uh, everyone thinks that he has it. And then all of a sudden, Pote comes back with the hat trick, uh, scores two quick goals right away. And uh, there was a little bit of controversy that perhaps maybe the Benfica game and the sporting game should have taken place at the same time. Because... Oh, come you know, on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't, Benfica, <laughs> Benfica fans, please, come on. Just... <laughs> Just take it. Just accept it. Okay, they can't get a hat trick. I mean, your boy could score three more goals. All right, come on, come on, let it go, let it go. Yeah. So he, uh, there was a lot of Benfica fans. Uh, JJ even remarked. I think when he was doing his press conference, he found out that uh, Pote had already scored two goals, and uh, he made a suggestion that perhaps because of the fact that there was, in this case, a scoring trophy on the line, that perhaps this 
should have been played uh, at the same mm-hmm. time as well. Um, but obviously, I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of a reason why the last matches of the season should include the scoring title. But uh, that was a bit of a controversy. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is who puts the ball in the back of the net. And that That's was uh, Pote, and he wins. But in terms of fan choices, uh, I also did pitch uh, Severovich in terms of all year long what he did. And if he was more consistent in the first half of the season, like he was in the second half, then I think he you know, he probably could have maybe have gone to 28, 29 goals. Now the question is what's going to happen with his future because there's been some talk that he may want to leave and go to a bigger league. Okay. okay. Good for him. Good for him. And uh, they might get some money and uh and you know what I was I was I was watching these uh his last games and uh talking about strikers talking about forwards and um I think uh, the the Darwin Nunez playing us on, on, on the left wing is going to be so much uh, uh beneficial for for Sporting as playing him as a as a number 9 might that would change his his name his name um not his name his number of his years, I put him giving an 11, giving a seven or something. Now, boy, play on the wings and let somebody else to put it in the back of the net. And I'll, you know, I think it'll be it'll be a, a good a good choice for for a pick as a friend with three on top. Yeah. Well, the good thing about uh, JJ has said about his team is that uh, he goes into the summer. It's more of a normal summer for them in terms of training. Mm-hmm. It means that the players, you know, I mean. You know, again, if you're a Porto fan, you're a sporting fan, you think it's an excuse. But when you think about the fact that Benfica had about a month of preseason and then they had to play a one-leg playoff away, uh, it was a tough situation with all the money they spent and all the players they had. Um, but JJ did say that, you know, the based on based on based on the recent results, that the team was finally playing closer to his style, that they were managing. They still they're still learning, but they're getting a little bit better. But I think that Benfica next year maybe is going to probably be close to the Benfica that JJ wants. Um, but obviously that wasn't the case this year. And uh, nobody wants to wait until August because it's such a long time. But Benfica was, uh, you know, you know that, that's the story. I think next year they'll be a little bit better. And I think some of the things you just said will probably be easier to do uh, because now they got a lot more time uh, to think about it. Uh, best young player in the league. This one also had a unanimous choice. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, no, no, Nonito, Nonito Mendes. Yep. Yep. That's my pick. By far, by far, by far, by far. A long mile. Yeah. Outstanding. All season long. I mean, the kid played like he was a 30 year old player, man. I'm telling you. It's just solid, you know. You know that soccer IQ. He has such a high soccer IQ because uh, one one of the things. Forget about his speed. Forget about his, his crosses. Forget about how many times he goes up and down. It's the his timing, his timing, and his decision making process is just on point. It's from a mature player, and that you you don't buy that on the streets. Okay, you don't go by to the store. You don't buy that. Okay. It is, is, is it, it is with you or it's not? He has it. He has it. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's going to be the big story this summer. Uh, question is, is what uh, what does this future hold? Where is he going to go? Uh, most recent report as we record this episode was Man City has about $60 million to give to Sporting for him. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Sporting is going to hold out. You know, they didn't give away Bruno Fernandes so easily, as we saw with Manchester United. So, you know, they're going to want to have a track record of uh, selling players at very good prices. Uh, and uh, we'll see. But uh, I mean, you think a player like Nuno Mendes could play in La La Liga or EPL? Oh, no problem. You can play anywhere. You can play anywhere. Yeah. One of the things about him is when he got called up to the national team, um, you know, you mentioned that he plays like uh, he's 30 years old. Uh, right. Yeah, a lot of the players on the national team, it was on the, uh, I was reading it in the newspaper, that a lot of the players were like, you know, they couldn't believe that he was as young as he was and doing what he was doing at his age. You know, there's a, exactly. yeah, there's a certain maturity level to playing the game. And when you're 18 years old, there's certain things, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old, there's certain things that people expect you to be and kind of make mistakes. And he's kind of exceeded all his expectations, but he's going to make sporting a lot of money. He will probably be their most lucrative transfer ever. Probably beat, I believe it's, uh, I believe it's the Juan Mario deal that right now is the biggest uh, transfer. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a money. I think it's like 40, 45 million. Um, it's too bad I didn't research a lot of this stuff before, but I know it's, it was really up there when he got sold to Italy, which by the way, when you look back at it now, I mean, it's hard to believe that anybody spent that much money on Juan Mari. Yeah, right but did, he, did he pay 45 for uh, Fabio Silva? He paid 45. Yeah, but he's Porto. Ah, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, for for uh, Sporting. Okay. Um, what I was going to say is, uh, you know, who, who, who's the other player in us? Also a defender. He didn't get many matches on, on this season either, but uh, um, he has uh, the same uh, the same maturity as as, as Nuno Mendes, at, and uh, that's Quaresma, Eduardo Quaresma. The other yeah. defender too. He's a very solid to the kid. I don't know what I mean. Uh, I think he should have more more games this season, but uh, the, the few games that he played, uh, it was just uh, solid, solid. Yeah, I think uh, what happened with him is, again, if, if you are to believe what's in the Portuguese papers, and in Portugal, mm. when you talk about sporting, it's the record newspaper that everybody pays attention to. But I think, uh, I guess maybe he lost some confidence because I recall reading a story where the thinking on him with Caresima was to loan him out next season and get him uh, some playing time at a, you know, at a club where he can get a lot of playing time. Um, but uh, yeah, he was uh, one of the jewels of the team last summer. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, Nuno Mendes was considered to be a very good prospect too, but I remember hearing more about Coresima, a lot more. Um, but obviously that uh, didn't pan out for the uh, kid. But Nuno Mendes, uh, by the fans and by us, was voted uh, the best uh, young player uh, in the league. And um, we're going to be hearing a lot about him this summer. Um, and we'll see what happens. Uh, by the way, I have to tell you, uh, the last time we discussed, we did the mid-season awards. Right. And I mentioned, and I got to admit this because I was really off a lot. But again, when you go back to what people were talking about last September and August and the moves that were being made, I really thought that this team had a shot at being a fourth or fifth place team this year. But man, did I really bomb. Man, did mm. I really bomb. I, I, mean, mm. I made a lot of good predictions on All this right. podcast. I, I, during last summer, before the season started, I talked about what sporting needed to do to win the title. You can look it up. It was right there. I it just, you know, I, I really take pride in, like anybody else, when you get it right, you like to talk about it. But 
here I got this wrong, and man, was I off about Boa Vista. I thought Boa Vista this year was going to be a fifth or sixth place team and battle for Europa spot, and here they are, last match day, battling to avoid uh, not only relegation, but to also avoid playing that 16th place game that um, the 16th place team, which is now Rio Wild, has to play the third place team from the second division in a two-leg playoff, and the winner will, you know, in the case of Rewab, if they win, they get to stay in the first division. If that second division team wins, then there'll be three teams that will be coming up next year. Uh, but I was really off about Boa Vista. But who was your, you know, I th think you said at the time it was Benfica. Uh, you still had that same choice that they were the biggest disappointment this year? Oh, yeah, sure, for sure. For sure, for sure. I mean, I mean, for a... For, uh... But team like Benfica being just completely empty-handed in the season. Is it, isn't that a disappointment? Of course it is. I mean, who else spend more who else spend a hundred million in, in in the tournament? Nobody else. Nobody else. They brought JJ in, you know, they, they had Darwin Luca, Everton, flashy, flashy, flashy signings. I mean, and not even in, in second. I mean. Not even second place. You tell me if that's not the biggest disappointment of the season. You tell me. Do tell me it's Boavista. Maybe it's Boavista for you because you you, you said yeah, they were going to do better than they did. Uh, I don't think it's, it's a case for that for, for any other team that's going to be a bigger disappointment than Benfica this season. Yeah. Well, I said that also because to me, I think Benfica worst case was going to finish top three anyway, which you know they've obviously have managed to do. But uh, boy, did I bomb on that one. But yeah, Benfica, like I said, the only good thing about Benfica is that they're bound to bring back a lot of the players, maybe not all of them, like Blanco Demos, and they'll be a little bit ready next year to have a better season. And, and let me tell you another good thing, Nino. I mean, um, for as long as I've been following this league, we like to say the big three. Right. And this year, the big three became the big three in the sense that Sporting won the title for the first time in 19 years. And now we literally have a league where there are three teams that literally do have a chance to win the title, which, to be fair, is a little bit better than some of the leagues in Europe, especially Germany. And right. I still think Braga is going to surprise somebody one year. I think second place might be their best thing. But uh, it, I think this year, the big three name finally became the big three name. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, on, um, you, you were talking about the predictions, right? And I uh, and I said at the, at the beginning of the of the show that oh, my picks on on February. And February was what we thought it was February, right? Me, teacher, right? It was right? Uh, early March. Early March. Early March. Early March. Late and, 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 and I and I said that uh, the fourteen was not gonna we're not gonna lose this title race. You did say that. Me. Yep. I said that, and also said the other one that was about Passos de Ferreira. I said that they were going to hold on to this fifth place. And they did. Big time. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, and, I, and I, I, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy for them. I mean, so, I mean, this is uh, from being struggling the last couple of seasons, maybe more than that, right? Passes the Ferreira, the bottom escaping from the relegation. I mean, it's just crazy. But uh, now we, we, uh, we've been this in under the helm, and now Pepe is going out to uh, Victoria Jimenez, no? He's, he's yeah. Done, it's a done deal, right? Yeah, he always had a trajectory. I mean, he was even mentioned 
four or five months ago, one of the newspapers even had him linked to getting the Porto job in the future. So uh, I, I read that one, yeah. Yeah, so he's always had a very good trajectory. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of managers this summer in Portugal. Uh, Daniel Ramos has done a fantastic job with Santa Clara, getting them you know, into Europe. And uh, uh, he is somebody... Uh, I said it once on, a, on one of my very early, early episodes. Um, it was probably maybe within the first 10 episodes that I did. I told Daniel Ramos of Santa Clara one day would manage a big three. And, uh, you know, he, he went through a period of two to three years where he went to some small clubs and didn't do very well, but he's done a very good job. But yeah, we're going to see a lot of musical chairs, as they say this summer. I think there's a lot of managers that are going to be moving on. Uh, will Santa Clara keep Daniel Ramos? Uh, you know, they are going to be playing in Europe, but apparently they're not, they're going to have the same budget. Um, this is a team that plays in the islands in the middle of the ocean, you know? Right. Mean, yes. Uh, Delgada. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I've never been there and uh, I'm, you know, it's on my bucket list one day to go, but uh, it's not easy to manage at Santa Clara. What they did has been, uh, has been tremendous, but there's going to be a lot of changes, but Peppa is going for a second season, huh? for a second season, but the, the, the previous season, and Joan Ricas and also they did a good job. They finished sixth or seventh, was it? I think it's the same place. They, yeah, they finished close. They've always been knocking on the door since they came up. You know, they came up a few years ago, and this year they finally managed to do it. And by the way, they managed to do it because Vittorio Guimarães did so bad down the stretch. I know, I know, I know. You know, I mean, they were, they just totally fell apart. And Guimarães, by the way, in terms of the size of the clubs in Portugal, they are really the fourth biggest club in Portugal in terms of size. Right. But Braga is considered to be the fourth biggest one because they've been a lot more successful. But Guimarães, if they're very, very successful, 20, 25,000 fans at a uh, match, very common, very, very common to, to see. Uh, but uh, yeah, so he's going to, Pep is going to go to Vitoria Guimarães. It's going to be a very, very big challenge. Uh, you know, with the club, and uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Daniel Ramos. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, what's going to happen? Uh, Boa Vista is Josualdo Ferreira going to stay? Uh, you know, he came on early enough to avoid the team being this far down. You know, I think if he was as successful as they should have been with him, he, they should have really been a tenth or eleventh place team. So, what's going to happen with his future? Rewab's going to be looking for a manager, if, especially if they wind up getting, you know, to stay up. So there's a lot of question marks in the Liga that are going to be coming up these uh, next few months. Yes, yes, for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, um, I don't think it's going to change anything on the structure of the the way the tournament the tournament is being played, right? I don't think it's going to be any, any changes in that matter. You mean like the number of teams? Uh, no, talking about maybe uh, with a playoff, uh, a playoff in the uh, in the tournament. Are they doing? In well, you mean like the, what they're doing now with 16th place playing the third place of the second division? Right, right, right. Yeah, I think they did it this year to make it more interesting for the second division teams. And my understanding is is that it is coming back next year. There has been talk about reducing the second division by two teams. So that's been discussed in the future, but that's not going to happen right now because they're going to probably wait until the following year. Uh, I personally, by the way, let me tell you, I had an idea that I, I uh, talked about in a recent episode 
a lot of people when they first heard about it thought that I was uh, dumb, you know, mm. you know, if you want to, if you want that site, you know, I, I basically said this, I said to me, and I did it also because I thought the super league was coming. Okay. And I said that if the Portuguese clubs weren't going to be a part of the super league, which had this recent incarnation of the super league actually happened, we saw that yes, Portuguese clubs weren't going to be a part of the super league. I had mentioned that the Liga would have to reinvent itself and have to reduce the amount of teams in the first division. And I said that instead of 18 teams, 16 teams, 14 teams, or 12 teams, do 10 teams. And right. A lot of people yelled at me. I heard of very nasty things. You know, if you like a 10 team league, go to Switzerland, go live in Switzerland. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I said it for this reason, because as you know, and you obviously work for a TV station, Uh those who haven't heard my reasoning, you're going to hear it now. What is the number one driver of, of sports around the world? It's TV money. Right. In Portugal, yes, you also sell players. That also makes a lot of money. Sometimes it makes you the most amount of money. But if you have a 10-team league, that means you have nine teams and you've got to play each other four times for 36 matches, which is two more matches than you play right now. But you've got four Classicos, you've got four Derbies, you're playing Braga four times a year, you're playing a Guimarães if they get better four times a year, you're playing a Santa Clara four times a year. You're also going to play a... a so you can, you, you're going to think of it like a Portuguese Super League. That's what you're thinking. Something like you that. You know what? Right. I could right. be criticized for thinking that way. Yes, I could. Although I, although in this case, there definitely would be a promotion and relegation, though. Uh, you know, the top, the, the bottom two and ninth and tenth place would go down. And in the second division, you know, the top two teams would come up. But the reason why I brought it up at the time... Um, was that if they really are looking to get more TV money, because in about seven or eight years, the leagues, the, the, the league of TV rights are going to be centralized. They're not centralized right now. Um, okay. You know, what happens is, is all the clubs in Portugal have their own deal. And what's happened now is in about seven to eight years, I think it's the 27, 28 season, there's a company that's going to be created and all the rights are going to fall onto this company, and they're the ones that are going to sell the rights collectively. So, uh, to me, if you have a ten-team league, which, by the way, I know it doesn't help the youth out, but there is a second division to still play. Um, my idea with that is by having that amount of teams, more of the quality teams are playing each other. It's more attractive to TV. Under that model, you probably make a lot more money. And then some of that money eventually makes its way to the second division, which means they're making more money than they are now. You know what I'm saying? And everybody yeah. benefits from that system. Kind of makes sense. I gotta say this. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. You, are you serious? Because you know what? I think I'm gonna run for the president of the Portugal Liga. How about that? <laughs> I, have you? I think that's what I'm gonna do. No, I, I just say that because if the Super League was gonna happen and Portuguese teams were gonna be left out. I think they need to do something really, really out of the box to try to compete and get money. Now that there is no Super League, I think that you know having a 16-team league remains very viable, but you still put away in the drawer, put it away in the cabinet, this folder of possibly having a 10-team league because 36 matches a year, you could still have a, a you know, Tasa de Liga, the League Cup, you know, you could still do internationals, you're only playing two more matches. 
And I think under that scenario, they make more money. But my understanding next year is that everything stays the same. Uh, the league structure stays the same. Um, yeah. And obviously, th the biggest difference, I think, next year is that three teams are going to be playing in the Champions League and not two. Uh, that 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 will be that'll be exciting for for the league. That'll, that'll be exciting. That's one extra spot that uh, you know, it's, there's the chance that one of the big three can be out of those three. And uh, that's uh, there's hope for everybody else to catch to catch that spot. And that's an extra motivation for our for our. Oh, absolutely! If you're Braga, and you have oh, a yeah. to battle for third place every year. You know, Pastors de Ferreira 10, 11 years ago played in the Champions League, but they were eliminated. 2013. Yeah, they made it. I think that was, uh, they got there because the year before Paulo Fonseca managed them. Uh, right. You know, he's the one that managed them. back. So, yeah, so they had to play their games, by the way. They played Zenit of Russia, who, if I recall, were managed by Andres Vilas Boas. Uh, they had to play their Champions League matches in the Dragon. They, okay. uh, their, their, sta their stadium was a little bit too small. So, yeah, my understanding, just to go back to the original question about the structure, uh, my understanding is everything is pretty much the same next year and that this 16th place versus third place in the second division is supposed to just add another exciting element to the Liga. I think so. I think so. And I like it. And I like it because this is a, it creates um you know more competition from the teams from the uh, second division, you know. Yeah, I think so. The second division, uh, the, one of the things that I like to see them do with the second division is um, a lot of times on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, a Friday night, you'll be able to pick up and see a second division game in Portugal uh, on the main sports station, Sport TV. But one of the things that I like to see them do is I know in Portugal, you can watch all the games. I think if you have a subscription to Sport TV, you can watch it online. Okay. But that's not, but that's not necessarily available to people outside of Portugal, my understanding. Put some of those games, especially like these, they always play like a morning game at like 11 o'clock in the morning. There's always like one game. Um, you have this thing where you could show the games to only certain parts of the world. They got to put some of those games on YouTube TV. Let the people in other parts of the world watch those games. Let the people in the North America, England, South Africa watch those games. So many times we hear only the second division when we see the standings. They got to find a way to make a lot more of those games available for people to actually watch those matches. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally agree with you on that one, Johnny. Totally yeah. But uh, I'll tell you what. So tell us about you. What do you, you know, now that the league is done, um, what's the rest of your summer like? Um, I mean, we have the uh, Uruguayan League. We have uh, the Peruvian League. We have the Ecuadorian League going. So I got three, uh, three more leagues to, <laughs> uh, to cover. So it's going to be a little bit of a, of a break on my crazy schedule. Sometimes I'm going... Uh, uh, eight games a week. Now probably I'll do four or five. So that's a little bit of a rest for my for my throat, because I also on, on top of calling the games, I I do five shows uh, for for the for the different leagues, and also there's one show this Google Call, which is like a, you know calls for all the leagues that we broadcast. It's gonna be wow. a little. Uh, 
uh, resting my my throat a little bit, not a lot, but a, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and you guys are still broadcasting uh, most of these things out of uh, Lima, Peru, correct? Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. So how's Lima, Peru these days? How are you guys doing with everything down there? Man, it's uh, it's just ridiculous. It's crazy, crazy. Everybody's scared about the uh, presidential elections going. When is it? June six. June six. Yes, and uh, we are half of the country is uh, very concerned because of candidates that he's running. It's just so extreme, and uh, yeah. And I just try to avoid the news, but I gotta go vote. So I gotta watch some news from time to time. Try not to. <laughs> yeah, I grew up, the, the news is supposed to inform you, but it feels like in the past year, the news only serves to scare you. Yeah, uh, and that's why I'm staying away. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I was in uh, college, they said to me, the first thing about the news business, if it bleeds, it leads. Right, right. You know, and uh, that's that's just why it's like very tough to watch the news. But uh, listen, sometimes life isn't so bad. Um, we had a chance here tonight to talk a little bit about the Liga. It was, uh, you know, a great year. Uh, I have to tell you, uh, and I'm not the only one that says this, you know, I really enjoy listening to you. To the left, to the left, to the left, you know. You, uh, you have a lot of enthusiasm. Um, has the league grown on you? I mean, uh, obviously, every, every game you do, you become more educated on the league you know more about the personalities i mean where does the portuguese league rank among all the uh, leagues that you work for in terms of doing the broadcast i think it's uh, it's the number one i think it's the number one yeah and in, in terms of uh of audience also um and I, and i got this this sense you know because i got this this feedback from from social media and I got a, a lot more interaction with, uh, with Portuguese fans and the fans from the Ecuadorian League or the Uruguayan League. The Peruvian League is, I got a, I got a lot. Uh, we just started this, the, over this league this, this year. But, um, and I'm not saying this because of the, I'm on, the, on your show and it's PortugueseSoccer.com and all this, but uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite league, that's the call. It is, and uh, and I enjoy it a lot every every single game. I'm, I'm very excited, and I I've been reading a lot not not only about the uh, the league, but you know history of the of the the teams, the cities, the geography, the travel, everything you know, and uh, and I really uh, been really seriously invested on on this uh, on this sport league. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a great Liga, and uh, Portugal's a small country, but it takes a long time to travel from a Braga to an Algarve. I mean, it is still, if you've ever been in it, a, a pretty big country, although it doesn't look so like on a map. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you talk to a lot of people, they're frustrated. Everybody thinks the system works against their team, and everybody wishes that the Liga had better this and better that. But I always like to say it's true, but this is our Liga, this is what we have, and these are the players that we have, and you know we still love it. And uh, you know people complain and get angry and say they're not going to watch it anymore. And guess what happens next weekend? They're watching Nino Torres on Gold TV. Yes, yes. Hopefully, so. Hopefully, I think so. Yeah, we'll, I'm going to stay. I'm pretty sure we. Are. That's a hunch. I don't have the, the numbers or the contracts or anything like that. But I think it's 
thing we're going to say on uh, TV. And the question, and um, I was reading this because I got this uh, this uh, social uh, media platform. What is it? Reddit? Is it Reddit? Yeah. yeah. Reddit, and uh, somebody, uh, hey, Nina, talking about you on Reddit. And I jump in, and then uh, and I read a few things, and I uh, this is the, the the first time I read this. Is, what is Tuga? This Tuga, Tuga football, it's Tuga, you know? Tuga is a word they use for someone that likes Portuguese football is the best way I could describe it. It's not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. Uh, okay, I've okay. Various, I've seen that name used in various ways. And um, it's, uh, you know, if, if someone, I think, you, I think it's the fact that you're being associated like that, it means that people are accepting you, that you are a true information source for uh, Portuguese football. And I've been a true fan too. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad word. Look, there's some bad words that I could tell you. <laughs> that people do call us, call me, uh, whenever they feel like their team is being wronged with uh, wrong information, even if it is being reported in the press. But I'm not, I'm pretty sure that that's one word that you don't got to worry about. Okay. Okay. Sounds good then. Sounds good. <laughs> well, let me ask you another question. Who's going to be your favorite team at Euro at, at uh, this summer's Euro? France. France? You realize yeah. now that I've said a lot of nice things about you. They are Portuguese And now, and the way, you do realize that they're in the same group as Portugal. I know. What do we have to tell you? All this goodwill that I build up with you, and now you make it, <laughs> you make it, you, you make it all go falling down now by saying you're going to root for France. Right, so tell me, go ahead. What is it that you like about France? <laughs> oh, man. It's just, they have Number one, they had so much depth, okay? It doesn't matter who plays on top. And now they just called Benzema, which is, I think it was going to be ridiculous not calling uh, Karim Benzema for, for this year after that fantastic season that he's been having. And, um, you know, this is, I remember I watched this team prior to the, um, the World Cup, before they won the, the World Cup. I think they played, was it Russia? I think they played Russia. On, on, um, on uh, these uh, preparation matches for prior to the World Cup, and, and and the speed, the speed of this team, and all single lines, it was just ridiculous. It was like everybody's Mbappe speed on that team, trying to stop it, trying to stop it. All right, I think I think it's just they're, for me they're overwhelming favorites, overwhelming favorites. That's all I gotta say. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Special thanks to Nino Torres for coming on to talk to me. Uh, look forward to plenty of good football coming up this week. Taça de Portugal, Europa Final, Champions League Final in Porto. And, of course, we also have the playoff between third place, second division, and 16th place, Rio Ave. And then pretty soon, before you know it, we'll have the European Championship. So I'm looking forward to that. Going to wrap up this episode right now and uh, call it quits. Again, thank you for all your support. And I'll talk to you next week, everybody. Ciao.